Hey Barbara, just curious, why are we in this meeting today? Curious Teams is a podcast for design, construction, and owner teams. Welcome to Curious Teams. I'm Fred Gutierrez. And I'm Barbara White Bryson. And we're here to make the design, construction, and owner environments a better place. And today we're going to talk about a person and podcast that you found extraordinarily interesting, Fred, and brought to my attention. So the person is Priya Parker, and there's lots to learn about Priya as well as her work. I don't know. I'm just so excited about this topic. I think it really is something that I think our listeners should listen to this podcast and go out and read the book, because what it does is it creates a lot of thought in your mind about how you are as a facilitator, as a host. It's hard for me to express how relevant I find this is because it goes from what we call these casual gatherings or social gatherings, because that's really where it's introduced in this book, to the more, I wouldn't even say complicated, but a more a more precise professional meeting that we're trying to address here. And I think there's a lot of overlap and a lot, a lot to be learned in each one. Priya comes from a conflict resolution training. She's done a lot of hard meetings, but she's really trying to focus on how we gather and how that can be done really well or it can be done poorly. And in the conversation with Brene Brown, she brings up a lot of fantastic examples of well-done gatherings and, uh, and how sometimes we miss opportunities by taking things for granted. I really think this conversation is very relevant to the work we do because you know, all the work we do is, is in teams, and the heart of working with the team is the meeting. And I've been in so many meetings, it's hard to, to say. And I have to say that even myself, I fall into kind of routines where you just assume the agendas of meetings and kind of the, the way we present ourselves. And I think it's a good, good opportunity to rethink why we meet. And it Every time I listen to this, I'm just inspired with, and also a little bit intimidated with how much responsibility there is in setting up a meeting in a thoughtful way. So thank you for introducing me to Priya. I've known Brene Brown's work for many years and uh, even have uh, quoted Brene in my own book because she is so great at talking about vulnerability and failure and engagement, so many things that we need to learn about in order to be effective at building these incredibly complicated teams. And Priya Parker can help us, as you noted, think about how to reinvent how we approach a meeting, how we express a purpose. One of the things that Priya noted to Brene Brown was that it was incredibly important to have a clear statement that outlines why a gathering is important. Now, many of the gatherings she talks about are social gatherings, but professional gatherings, I think it's even more important to have the question in front of us. Do we need a gathering or meeting? What is the purpose of the gathering or meeting? 
and articulate that in a way that actually captures attention and imagination to move the meeting forward. Yeah, I think the words she used in her book, and I think Brene used them, is set a bold, sharp purpose for our time together. Yeah, that's often that's often kind of just assumed in a lot of the meetings that I can recall in my past. You know, it's the effective meetings that that send a very purposeful agenda that can really draw people in that, that I find are the most useful and the most creative. Often it's the, the meetings about problems that people are most willing to attend in our business. Uh, and so right. what we want to do is avoid those problems. One of the things that you and I have talked about is the idea of uh, doing decision plans, a pull schedule for design, if you will. And if we can make it clear what decisions are to be made in a certain meeting uh, and how important those decisions are and the impact of those decisions, uh, I think we'd be a lot further along to creating that bold purpose for having the meeting and getting people's attention and getting people prepared for the meeting. One of the things that I also thought was very interesting that really applies to us is how a meeting or environment is set up and the impact that that may have in holding us back or moving us forward to a different kind of meeting. Say more. As, as I listened to Priya talking, she put a lot of emphasis on how you set up seating, how you arrange a table, how you, um, not, not as far as putting flowers on the table or anything like that, but how you physically shape the space to get, to reach the purpose that you want. And it always reminds me of the number of people early on in a project that don't voice their opinions when we really need them to, and whether there are things that we can do to demonstrate how important their voice is. Yeah, I think coming out of COVID, we've gotten so, well, we've learned a lot from meeting virtually. We've gotten better at it, but we're still missing a lot of those physical clues and kind of social interactions that lead towards trust and teamwork. And, you know, I'm running one project now where we've met virtually for over a year. And just recently I had the opportunity to say, let's, let's have an in-person meeting. And the agenda could have been solved virtually. It could have been a Zoom meeting where we kind of talked about the same questions, but Building that layer of trust where we sat in the same room and shared, in a strange way, just pleasantries and kind of chit-chat and, and, and felt more at ease with each other, I think really gets us to a, a point where trust building can relate into a progress in terms of relationship and working, working together. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, I think that we've all experienced endless Zoom meetings where we know we're not communicating as effectively right. or connecting as effectively as we could. Yeah. And uh, Priya and Brene both said that this period that we've just been through during COVID, forced to communicate by Zoom, has, has helped us gain a greater appreciation for gathering, for meeting face-to-face. -face. Right. Um, it's it allows us to have sometimes harder conversations that we never would have if we were 
still on Zoom. Right. Doesn't have to have, be every meeting, but it certainly should be some for the exact reasons you mentioned. I think I've mentioned it before. I built this really large house in a compressed schedule. And in order to do that, I had to have a remote office in this building. So we set up what we call the war room, which is a, is a very negative way to call it. But in a way, even a war room shows that we're all on one side and we're battling something together. So what was unique about our take on making building that physical space is we actually dedicated space both for the builder who I was and the architects had their space there as well. So when they came to the building, they weren't there just to observe and to assess the situation and take it back. They actually had the space in which they could actually do work, process things, and engage a different way of relating to uh, the people in the space other than as an observer. They were more of a participant. And then in our meeting room, we were found a very large conference table that was round. And we did our, our foreman meetings where we would sit around this round table. And I think it's the round table allowed everybody to see each other as peers and not as instructor being like the project manager who was me kind of talking towards people and then getting feedback from them. It was more of an exchange of ideas. So setting up those physical spaces can really have a lot of impact on how people work together. It reminds me of the fact that we walk into so many project meetings and there's the people that are around the table and then there's people that are lined up against the wall. Right. And we have very quickly created a, a priority or a hierarchy that uh, doesn't necessarily invite people in. So what can we do? Can we think about different ways that we can pull people to the table, uh, put some of the primary players in other places in the room so that it feels more inclusive? But you really can change the dynamic by changing the room. Yeah, Priya brought up the term generous authority. And I think that fits here is where the host of these meetings, which would most likely be the owner's, owner's side, has the responsibility to take care of the people in the meeting. It, it, it's true. They are responsible to allow those people to flourish. And by, by the use of generous authority, I think she got at it's that responsibility of setting up the rules of engagement, the rules in which the meeting will take place. And yeah. I think you've mentioned it in a prior, prior conversation, <laughs> your rules of being on time. And maybe you could talk about that again. But setting up these simple rules of engagement allow people to prosper. Yeah, I thought this was, this was a fascinating aspect of the conversation because Priya even talks about the importance of the host or the leader to protect the purpose of the gathering for the entire group. That spoke to me and, yes. uh, and does relate to the rules of engagement or the operating principles of the group. Whatever it is you've set up to guide behavior within the team, I think that someone needs to make sure that they are managing those rules, making sure that the rules are applied, and also to see whether they work or they don't work. But making sure that somebody is on time by offering consequences for the team benefits the team as a whole, because if you're waiting for a key player and you've got 25 mm -hmm. people in a room, 
that's a, a waste of money. It's a waste of, of patience. And uh, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the structure idea, along with having a purpose for the meeting. Priya talks about having a structure that creates engagement for the purpose that the gathering is, is had. We could say that that could be an agenda, but then again, it, that doesn't really address some of the underlying conflict that never rises to the surface in a timely manner in our business. Yeah, I think she talked about unhealthy peace. I think what happens in a lot of the, the, the projects, a lot of the projects out there is I think there's this comfort level or this nicety of not recognizing that there is conflict. There are tensions that could be revealed in time and to bring those up early will help establish ways of respecting each other. I often talk about kind of the vulnerabilities of the, the team members, the architect, the builder, and the owner. And by talking about those vulnerabilities, and that's a really hard thing to do in, a, in, a, in, a, in, in these kind of meetings, but you know, oftentimes it's time, money, and resources that people need to respect. And that conflict can be an undercurrent if not addressed. I, I've kind of gotten away from your question, but I think this, this idea of unhealthy peace, I think meetings need to vet out the real concerns on the table. So one of the things that I like to do at meetings is before going into kind of the specifics of a specific problem, you might just ask a simple question like, what worries you most about the project right now? And just let people kind of talk from their guts in order to kind of reveal what things they're thinking about that they may not have full support with the room, but they just need to get off their chest. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It also reminds me of the fact that to make sure that we set up some routines that uh, serve that same mm -hmm. outcome. Uh, for instance, when changes are made, there should be a moment when we identify the change, that we identify the purpose of the change, make, make sure that we've created an environment where a decision can be made, but check in with everyone to say, okay, what does this change do to you? And what are the schedule and, and cost right. issues related to that change? Just by making sure that everyone in the room is responsible for asking that question if a change is made, that they never leave the discussion of change without getting to that question, could be a great routine for making sure that we're not keeping our mouths quiet, thinking we're keeping the peace, but actually creating problems. I, I love the term unhealthy peace because I think that applies to so much of what we experience in the design and construction industry. Uh, it relates to the mantra that we talked about during collaboration about don't be a hero. Don't try to solve the problem all by yourself. Go ahead and talk about it. To not talk about it is actually unhealthy for the team. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's it's drawing those conversations out. That's really the, the, the facilitator or the host's responsibility. But again, it's, it's setting the, that 
sharp, bold purpose of being there. And, you know, it can be about solving some very specific problems, but it really comes down to being transparent about your ethics and your purpose. And we talked about that, you know, many times that a lot of decisions go back to, is this solving the, what are the words we're looking for? Well, if, is it the framework or set of principles? Is, is the decision aligned with the framework or set of principles? Exactly. Our, our set of principles that govern how decisions are made. Yeah. Again, we go back to how important those early conversations are mm-hmm. within the design and construction industry teams so that you're having the conversation about what are the rules of engagement? What are the principles that we're working with? What are the primary motivators that are going to drive the team and the process? These issues are incredibly important for making sure that the gatherings that you have, the meetings that we have, are as effective as possible. I've got an odd question for you, Fred. Okay. You brought up the fact that um, how important it is for us to think about some of these principles that Priya brings up for gatherings in a way that allows us to overcome some of the interpersonal issues that can arise on teams. What do you think about icebreakers? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've done icebreakers many times. There is an awkwardness to it that I think is important to acknowledge and overcome. So I have to say, I don't like icebreakers. But every time I do one, I realize how valuable they are. And they can be silly in a lot of ways, but I think they can be very effective. I'll ask you the question, why are icebreakers effective? Well, I don't, I don't know that they are. That's why I wanted to talk to you about it. I'm wondering if there is ah. taking Priya's lead, if, if there are other choices for helping people work together and to get to know each other. I know that the the big room concept that I've seen on a number of hospital projects, especially where all the major disciplines get in a room together to work together, uh, that goes to building trust. You know, you get to know somebody and you understand that they are capable, that their intentions are aligned with yours, and that when you're working together, that there's a fairness about how decisions are adjudicated. It's another way without just relying on the icebreaker and then moving on. Yeah, I think, I mean, the icebreaker is a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a generic word that we, we use for the idea of getting to know somebody very quickly in some way. And why is that important? I think in a lot of the meetings we are in, we're never sure if people's full attention is there. And we're also not sure that we have, that we haven't built this comfort level of communicating with people yet. So an icebreaker in this generic term is that opportunity to recognize that people are present, that they're listening to you, and that you can be seen and you can see them. So... She talked about in Zoom meetings that we're so often in, when somebody simply puts their mic on mute, it's a very intentional thing because 
you're not getting that feedback from them. So it can, I never really thought of it until she mentioned it. You don't have the, you don't, you, you don't have that sense that their full attention is with you. Yeah. But it is, it is true. It's like, if you can't hear them sigh or a little yes, or, you know, even if they go off screen because of our data usage right now, you've shut down your camera and it's a different relationship of my conversation with you because I can't see your reaction to the things I say. I'm just assuming you're nodding with approval. Yes, I am. But without that feedback, <laughs> without that feedback, it changes the way I relate to you. So it's those little cues. And an icebreaker allows people to kind of f- fall into that ability to relate with people without having to confront maybe a very hard conversation at first. It's just a primer. And I think it's, I think it's very useful, yeah. And of course, there's a different dynamic between people who are working together versus people who are meeting together. Right. If this is just about gathering in a room and doing the same old blah, blah, it's different than having an environment or a process where you say, okay, in this meeting, we are going to solve this problem or we're going to attack this challenge. if you're, if you feel like you're going into a meeting to work on something, that's much more likely to create an interpersonal dynamic than if you're going into a meeting just to listen to somebody report out. Yeah, and that's where you the the next evolution of icebreakers team building, and then a lot of the larger projects that I work on, some of the early meetings are primarily for team building. It's a larger version of an icebreaker. I've mentioned this before. It's some some meetings. I'll do the Myers-Briggs test with the team. And it's not that I believe that that's the tell-all on how people react to um, or people work or how, they're, how, they, how they think, but what I find is it allows people to reflect on how they feel they work and think and align themselves with other people that feel the same way. So it's a way of talking about how we communicate and seeing that some people communicate in different ways. So it makes people be aware that they can have this opportunity to say, this is how I like to be addressed with information and questions. And then they can hear other people say, this is how I tend to react best if I'm given given information and received in a different way. And that also reminds me of of a different conversation that Brene and Priya had related to um, filters and the ethics filters that they talked about or any kind of principles that, as you mentioned earlier, that guide how you set up the engagement experience. And this, again, goes back to the host. It goes back to the primary drivers of the gathering or the meeting, which if you have that stated outcome for the gathering, so the first time that the team is getting together, what is the purpose of that meeting? Then you can use that purpose as your filter for what the experience is going to be like. And everything that happens during that meeting and everything that you do to set up that meeting should reflect that purpose. So what does that look like? What does that look like in the design and construction industry? Ask that to me again in another way. So how do we give our listeners 
some very specific to-dos or ways of thinking about these ideas in the design and construction industry. Because many of the examples that Priya and Brene talked about were baby showers or, or, um, or weddings. But for us, um, I want to, let me back up for one second, because mm -hmm. I think what's important to reflect as we ask this question, they noted that the more obvious a purpose is by the title of something, like if it's a baby shower or mm -hmm. a wedding or whatever, the more likely mm -hmm. that people running the gathering are to fall into the normal process. And I believe that 95% of the meetings that we experience in the design and construction industry fall into this normal routine process where everybody knows that this is when you cut the cake and this is when you throw the bouquet. Mm -hmm. So how can we shape an experience in the design and construction industry that follows the purpose? It's it starts with having a clear purpose, and this this is return to this. It's 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 the owner being very transparent about why their project is important and what will lead to a successful outcome. That sounds easy enough to say, but it's not easy to do. It requires a lot of specificity and a lot of clarity in that owner's mind and willingness to hire people to to achieve that clear purpose. Oh, I, I agree. So so let's imagine for our listeners the first meeting. And we say the owner's clear purpose for this project is to get the doors open by September 1st. I had a project like that um, at for EDS years ago, they needed mm -hmm. a new computer school opened literally six months after they gave us the project open. And so when you set up a meeting mm -hmm. that is digesting that purpose, you're suddenly yeah. changing the conversation and changing the agenda to shape that purpose. So one of the first things was and should be having a conversation about how we're going to work with one another. Say that, say that again. I, I, got, I got a little lost there. Okay. So if you're, if you're doing your first meeting and your right. purpose has been stated that you're going to have the building open six months mm -hmm. after this conversation, no design has been started, mm -hmm. no construction is in place. You have to have a very frank conversation right away about how you're going to work with one another. Yes. You know, for example, an architect cannot expect that all construction is going to wait until they produce a signed and sealed complete set of drawings. Correct. So Correct. there won't be a 30 day turnaround on RFIs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you you create not only rules of engagement for behavior, but actually rules of engagement for process. Yes. So that changes 
what that gathering looks like than from a normal routine. Absolutely. Gathering. Absolutely. I mean, you hit, you hit on one of those purpose that I, I love challenges on schedule. because it, it just seems so clear working on schedules, but you know, it could be something like we need to build a hospital that values the patient's experience. Um, you know, that's not even clear enough yet, but it, 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 it it's not in that um, process. Well, maybe it needs to get to that process part. It needs to. It needs to be that clear um, of purpose. Well, I think it does. It does impact process because you need to make sure. For instance, if you're going to prioritize the patient experience, who is your resource for helping you think through that? Architects and engineers and contractors aren't experts in that area. No. So you might say, all right, anything that could potentially impact patient experience needs to have this person, this this expert in, in the conversation right. before we proceed. That changes the process. Yeah, it brings it brings people to the table that aren't generally thought of as part of the team. It even could bring in... I think I, I don't remember where I heard this conversation that a big part of the process for like CAT scans is the experience of the machine. So it could come into the manufacture of a CAT scan machine in the respect for building better patient environments. Right. In the EDS project, it was looking at the most current CAD technology, which in 1984 wasn't all that far along, and how it could be leveraged in order to expedite drawings. So I thought that this idea of understanding that you should break the routine so that meetings really are serving their purpose first, and then you throw out a lot of the ordinary reporting or the the stuff that doesn't add value mm. to that purpose within the meeting. I think that that gives us an excuse to think hard on a regular basis about how our meetings are going, whether the activities within that meeting are serving the purpose or not, and making changes as needed. Yeah, I, I totally agree that getting out of the out of the repetition of these meetings and having a clear purpose or engaging people to be to get out of that that mundane is important. I guess the question is still, how do we do that? You know, does it take a dynamic facilitator to do that? Or are there other ways to do that that maybe don't require, you know, a strong personality pulling the attention of people to get them in, into a place that's uncomfortable or comfortable? I think it does go back to that concept of, of generous authority. Mm-hmm where it doesn't necessarily need a facilitator, but it definitely needs somebody who's willing to take responsibility for protecting the purpose on behalf of the group. Right. I thought that was such a strong concept. We will post a link to the Brene Brown and Priya Parker podcast for our listeners so they can get a sense of what we're responding to and why we think that this collection of ideas and tools could be so helpful for the design and construction industry. Yeah, I think it's a, it's it's really something I go back to 
often. I mean, I, I think I re-listened to to this podcast, you know, several times in the last year, and it really helps me clarify kind of the importance of having a lot of respect for the people that are going into a meeting, and then it's you're really your responsibility to as as a facilitator or 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 a planner or a host to be responsible for their 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 ability to fully participate and feel comfortable to fully participate in these meetings. I love the idea that you brought up that the owner can take up space here. This is a great job for the owner to be that generous authority, to be that facilitator, to be that planner of the meetings and gatherings. Gathering input, of course, from the different participants, but trying to make sure that every time that they spend time together, that the entire team spends time together, that is as effective as it possibly can be. And it can be fun, right? It should be fun. So thank you so much for joining us at Curious Teams. This is Barbara White Bryson. And this is Fred Gutierrez. And now you go make the design, construction, and owner environment a better place. Find us at CuriousTeams.com, where we hope you share your comments and ideas. Look forward to upcoming episodes that answer questions that you've sent us on our website. And please subscribe to us on your podcasting platform. It helps us find more people like you. And it never hurts to do a five-star review.